Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. Good to be together today. My name is Beth. If I haven't had the chance to meet you uh, and want to let you know that since the age of five, I have loved playing basketball. I ended up playing college basketball. And so I have over 20 years of experience with basketball. And I say over 20 because then I did City League, which totally counts. Totally counts. Yeah, we got some other City Leaguers around here. Uh, But here's the thing, I just started coaching first grade boys basketball. So the difference in my understanding and experience with basketball and theirs is quite a gap. And what I'm learning at practice and games is that it's becoming very difficult, or it was right away at the beginning, very difficult for me to meet them where they were at. Let me give you an example. They don't know what the out of bounds line is. (laughs) Like that's where we're starting. And we're starting with explaining, you can't step out of these lines. And then imagine all the things they get to learn. But here's what I have learned the most, as I just alluded to, is that I am learning to figure out what they need instead of focused on what I want to teach them about basketball. And isn't that true for many of the kids in our life, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you're an aunt or uncle, friend, family, you're a parent, yourself, Isn't it true that a lot of times we might be thinking, it's them, it's not us. And what would it look like if instead we said, okay, it's not you, it's me. It's not them, it's us. Focused on what they need instead of what we think that they need. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, very simply, how do we have healthier relationships with the kids in our life? And if you aren't, uh, you don't have to be a parent to get something out of the message today. We all have influence with kids in our lives. And as adults, the way that you and I choose to connect and communicate with kids really, really, really matters. And so we're gonna dive right in. How do we experience healthier relationships with the kids in our lives? Well, as I was preparing for today, I came up with three very specific ways to be. Okay, not things to do, but ways to be that can help us have healthier relationships with kids, but also that are going to draw us closer to Jesus on the pathway, and it's also going to draw our kids closer to Jesus as we are being these things. The very first one, be crazy about connection. Be crazy about connection. My husband Kyle and I, we have two kids. We have our son Ian, who's seven, and Isabel, who's two and a half. And I saw this meme on Facebook the other day, and it stopped me in my tracks. I had to read it really slow to understand. I'm going to say it really slow so you get it. And it was this. It said, why do the people who want to go to bed have to put the people who don't want to go to bed, to bed. (laughs) Am I right? Or am I right? We start bedtime at 7 p.m. every evening, and by 8 p.m., Kyle and I are ready to go to bed. 
Bedtime is not always an easy time. And let me tell you what, uh, something that we have learned, and before I do that, I have to be honest, as I was preparing for this message, and I knew I'd be talking about parents and kids and adults and kids, uh, we've got a seven-year-old, so we don't know how to parent. We're screwing it up like every day, every year. And it feels a little intimidating to be talking about this topic, but I gotta tell you, uh, parenting isn't about being perfect. Uh, parenting is about learning and growing every day. It's about connecting with our kids. And I believe that God's got a great message um, that came out of my preparation that I'm gonna share with you today. So I just want you to know, Kyle and I do not get it right. But when we do, there's a couple things we have gotten a little bit right this last uh, several months. And we've been focused after supper, so when it gets closer to bedtime, after supper on weeknights, we've made a choice to make it a no TV, no tech time. And so Sunday through Thursday, that's the expectation. After supper, no TV, no tech. Within seconds of supper being done, our oldest son will come up to one of us, so if he comes up to me, and within seconds, every time, every night, Mom, I am so bored. To which I have learned to reply, oh, Ian, that just means you're about to get real creative, aren't you? He hates that. He hates that. And our temptation is to, to entertain our kids, right? And to get them busy. And I know they can nag and they can nag and they can nag. And it can be super annoying. And so you got to hold your ground. You got to hold your ground, adults, parents. You got to hold your ground. And here's what I've learned. Here's what we've learned over the past several months is that if we give that a little space, if we just say, okay, like you choose what you want to do, but you can't do TV and you can't do tech, choose something else. Before long, it might be five seconds, it might be five more minutes, but all of a sudden our two kids gravitate towards the things that they enjoy most. And then when we're done putting away all the supper stuff, we just go join them. What that might look like is Ian loves to build things. So he loves to build things out of Amazon boxes. And I just tell Kyle, that's why I keep ordering from Amazon. Ian needs more boxes. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. And so he loves to do that. And when he gets going on that, then we just come alongside and we start building things with him. He also loves to play games and play card games. So many nights, uh, him and my husband Kyle will play a game. It's called golf and it's a card game and they have a running tally and they enjoy doing that. Our little daughter, Izzy, she loves being with all of us. She hates playing alone. She loves energy, high energy things. And so she will look at uh, Kyle or I and she will say, chase me. Chase me, run, run, run. She would spend an hour and a half after supper running around our kitchen, nonstop. And sometimes all four of us are running and chasing and we spend time doing that. But what we have learned is that when we get crazy about connection, when we get crazy about connecting with our kids and their interests, and so maybe many of you have older kids, what are they interested in? What do they like to do? What are the activities and interests that they love? And then just go join them in that. Go join them in that and let them lead in that. Be the first to say, hey, can we go do this? But it's the thing that they love. You might not love it, but it's the thing that they love. Because when we get crazy about connection, what happens is our home environment reflects that. And for us, specifically in this example, at bedtime, when we do get it right, we don't get it right every time, but when we do get it right, our bedtime is super smooth. I'm serious, it is because our kids feel seen, they feel noticed, they feel filled up, they feel loved 
because we've been crazy about connection. When we aren't, when we're distracted, when we aren't focused on them in that time slot, you know what bedtime sounds like? I'm sure it sounded like this in your house. Uh, A lot of yelling, go to bed. Hurry up, brush your teeth, go get dressed, go to bed. Like really impatient, right? A lot less laughter happens when we're distracted and we aren't crazy about connection. As I was preparing for today, I was digging into Proverbs. That's a book of wisdom, getting wisdom um, for all of us as parents and adults on how to connect with kids. And in Proverbs 22.6, it says this, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go. When I, I've, that's a familiar verse to me. I've heard it many times. And I gotta be honest, as I, as I have dug into that verse before, I was thinking, okay, you know, make sure that we start them off by, by knowing God, super important, knowing who Jesus is, like going to church, making sure that our kids go to church, making sure they start, uh, I reread their Bible to them so they start understanding God's word, make sure they know how to pray and they feel comfortable with prayer and it was like this check mark, like if we start them off with these things and, and we are uh, going to church on a regular basis, like check mark, we got it. Here's what I learned this week. As I read that over and as I studied and dug in a little deeper and, and even took my, my study Bible and I was looking at what this means, all those things are right and good. We need to start our kids and raise our kids to know who God is and know who Jesus is, to be part of a church family, to learn their Bible and learn how to pray. But get this, the very words on the way they should go literally means according to his or her way, according to the child's way. What this verse tells parents is we cannot raise each of our children exactly the same because God did not make them exactly the same. And the instruction there is start children off on the way they should go. There are unique wirings and giftings that God has planted in each child. And it is our role as adults and parents to draw that out of them and to help them understand and lead them in the way of how God has made them. And that's part of our role. And it's super exciting to know that when you and I get crazy about connection, that means we're paying attention to each of our children and we're paying attention to what they like and what they gravitate towards. And when they become fully alive in in who God made them to be and we get to raise them, helping them make godly decisions along the way. And so number one, be crazy about connection. Be crazy about connection. Number two, be wise with your words. Be wise with your words. Uh, MSUM graduate Miles Montplaisier has become the new you betcha guy. And he's from this area, Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, from the Midwest. And if you haven't seen any of his videos, you're going to watch them all afternoon. He's hilarious. And he brings a perspective, if you grew up in this uh, part of the, the country, that just relates. It's very relatable. And so I came across this video where he was, uh, he's pretending to be a dad talking to kids. So go ahead and take a look. Point the light in here. I don't know what you're, are you even paying attention? I have to do everything. Caleb, Katie, Madison, what, what's going on? You know what, guys, honestly, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just 
pretty disappointed. Just got back from conferences. We need to talk about these bees. Are you paying attention? I'm only gonna show you this once. Don't you think me and your mother want to be able to put that my students and honor student sticker on the back of the van? Every single teacher that we talked to said if you just applied yourself, you could be a straight A student. Now that we got that settled, should we go get some ice cream? Come on, I'm buying. Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> Sound familiar? You know, there's so many times that I have thought to myself or said out loud, I'm never gonna say this to my kids, or I'm never gonna say that to my kids. And then I became a parent, right? And then you start saying all the things you never thought you'd say. And, and that just reminds me of the reality that I need help. As a parent, I need help. I need some resources and some tools, and I need some people who have uh, done some studies and some research. I need God's word to help me learn how to parent effectively. And so one of those people for me over the last several months, her name's Kathleen Eidelman. And she, is a, uh, she has a background in counseling, specifically Christian counseling, uh, but she has one mission in her life, one mission, and that is to help people learn to speak kindly to one another. Isn't that cool? That's her whole mission for her life. And so she's created all these tools and resources for families and for kids. She spent over 30 years coaching kids and families and specifically about the art of communication using four temperaments. And I'm gonna introduce this idea and give us some handles for these temperaments. And you're gonna get a chance to process where your kids might be or where even you might land in one of the temperaments. But here's what Kathleen has done. She sat down with parents and parents have said to her, they've said, you know, my kid just doesn't do this and my kid behaves this way and they don't listen and they don't this and I can't seem to get through to them in this. And then Kathleen will have a separate meeting with the child and she'll ask children over and over again, she'll say, do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're meeting with me? And the child will often say, yeah, um, my mom doesn't think I can do this or my dad wants to fix this or they don't seem to think that I know how to do this. And do you hear in both scenarios the negativity and how it's kind of surrounded on behavior? And so she's so passionate about the opportunity there is to help heal families through communication by understanding temperaments. And so what she said, and I'm going to read uh, her quote, she said, your child is not the problem. Your expectations are the problem. She's talking to parents. She's talking to you and I. She's saying your expectations of your child are shaped by your upbringing. They're shaped by your dreams for them. They're shaped by your past experiences and the culture that's around. They are usually not shaped by your child or their natural wiring. Your child's wiring must inform your expectations of them. What's the series we're in? It's not you, it's me. That's exactly what she has uh, built as tools and resources to help all of us understand that sometimes as adults, as parents, uh, when we're struggling with a child, whether when we look at their behavior and we want to fix their behavior, we might need to take a step back and try not to fix their behavior, but instead say, hey, it's me. What can I do different to communicate and connect with this child? And what would it look like if you and I took that communication super seriously? 
Uh, what Kathleen has developed is a simple, detailed framework to improve communication with your child based on their temperament. So let's go ahead and take a look at what those are. There's four categories. We've got sanguine, chloric, phlegmatic, and melancholy. So those are big words. We're gonna go by the colors. We're gonna say yellow, red, green, blue. All that helps us understand though is that this is rooted in years and years, like hundreds of years of history, of research um, that, that has stayed consistent throughout time that she has tapped into. And so the yellow and the red, they're extroverts. So how do you figure out what color? Start thinking about your kids and what color, what box they might fit into. You can probably easily figure out yours as well. Yellow and red are extroverts. They get energy from people and they process everything out loud. They don't have a filter. That's me. That's why I get nervous sometimes standing up here and speaking because I'm like, I don't even know what's gonna come out. Like there's some things I sh I'm thinking I should not be saying out loud. The green and the blue, they're introverts. They get energy from being by themselves and they process everything in their brain before they say it out loud. The yellow and the green are people-focused and the red and the yellow are task-focused. So from a high level, all four of these, we've got the yellow who are people and fun. We've got the red who are power and control. We've got the green who are calm and harmony. And we've got the blue who are perfection and order. So in our home, uh, I'm a yellow, fun and people. Isabel is a yellow, fun and people. My husband Kyle's a blue, perfection and order. And so is our oldest son, Ian, is a blue. So uh, before we dig into a little bit more tools than that, I wanna also head uh, to scripture. Everything in the Bible, in God's word, we can find guidance on how to be a wise parent. And one of the books, it's in Ephesians, Paul wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus. And when he wrote this letter, he wanted to bring unity to the church. He wanted to bring unity to people who believed in Jesus. And he wanted to help them understand what it was gonna take to build that unity and just kind of encourage them and build them up. In Ephesians 4:29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Can you think of a time that you've allowed something negative to come out of your mouth about someone else, that you've been caught in a gossip train that you've said something to your child or a child in your life that you wish you could take back. I bet if I asked you to process for just a moment a time when you were a kid, when an adult said something to you, and for many of you, you may immediately have a, something they said that was positive that has stuck with you for years, and others of you, you might have something that's negative that has stopped you from uh, having security to try something because somebody said something to you once. Paul reminds us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for what? For building others up according to whose needs? Our needs? No, their needs. This is a practice in like self-discipline. And I know me, when I get impatient, and when I'm frustrated, when I'm distracted, it's so easy for my mouth to go as a parent because I'm just thinking about me and I'm not thinking about my kids. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul's reason for writing that was to build unity in the church. Do you want unity in your home? 
Do you want unity in your family? Do you want unity in your co-parenting? Do you want unity with the people who are supporting you and raising your kids? Do you want unity in the school with teachers and administrators and coaches? I think we would all say yes, we want more unity. If we want more unity, that means it requires us to be wise with our words. It requires us, unity in your family requires you and I to be wise with our words. And so I'm gonna go through each of these colors and I'm gonna give some examples of how to build up and also how to tear down each of these colored temperaments. So let's start with yellow. We've got people and fun, the people who are people, uh, the people, the people who are people, sorry, the yellows <laughs> who love people and are fun. How do you build them up? You make and keep eye contact with them when they're telling a story and you uh, match their positivity and their enthusiasm. So like I told you, our daughter Isabel is a yellow and she loves Baby Shark, which is just a cartoon. And if you know it, you know it. If you don't know it, you're glad you don't know it. So at any moment in our day, she will run around a corner and she'll yell, Baby Shark! And if you meet her enthusiasm and you say, do you love Baby Shark, Izzy? She's like, yes! And it's like in that one moment, you just made her life because you matched her enthusiasm. So how do you tear down a yellow? You tear down by uh, burdening them with too many details and being too serious. <laughs> There's some yellows in the crowd that are like, yep, don't do that. For Isabel, at, at dinner time, it's really easy for us to see this, is we've got the compartmentalized uh, plates, you know, so you put food in different compartments to try to help her, like, stay focused. Doesn't work. Does not work. Like, I thought that would help her, and it doesn't. And I'm serious. She cannot sit still and eat supper, ever. And I know she's two and a half, but also, like, here's how we get her to eat. We take a fork, we put it in one piece of the food, like a strawberry, and we play airplane, and we play motorcycle, and if you make it fun, she'll eat the food. So, just interesting to know about our yellow child. Do you have a yellow child? Are you a yellow? And this probably rings true to you. Okay, reds, power and control. How do you build up reds? You give them something to be in control of and you recognize their work. You give them something to be in control of. That sounds like telling your child at any age and just age appropriately, saying, hey, do you wanna make the plans for today? Or maybe when they're younger, do you wanna plan our next hour? Do you wanna lead the way? Anytime you can give a red an opportunity to lead the way, to make decisions, you're helping them uh, build them up. Uh, how do you tear down a red? You make decisions for them or you embarrass them in front of others. For reds, even if you're joking, if you're in a group of people and you kind of take a jest at them or you joke or you're sarcastic, what that does in that very moment for a red, maybe not for other temperaments, but for a red, it makes them feel less than immediately. And that's the way that you can tear down a red. So what about green, calm and harmony? How do you build up? Handling conflict calmly and quietly. Isn't it true at times again, because parents and adults, we can get flustered, so our voice volume rises. If you've got a green in your house, you've got to tone it down. And even if you're feeling it, 
You gotta calm that voice. And so what does it look like to calmly handle conflict and focusing on one task or one step at a time? How do you tear down a green? By not giving them enough time to recharge and forcing them to make quick decisions. So if you have a green child, don't rush them. Don't rush them. Don't say, hurry up, pick out a, uh, what you're gonna wear today. You have all these options, hurry up and pick. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. If you've got a green child, hurry up is not in their uh, vocabulary. So try to be patient. Blue, perfection and order. How do you build up? You build up by being sensitive to their emotions and helping them formulate a plan B, and you tear down by dismissing their emotions and changing the schedule frequently. I've got a blue child, I'm a yellow parent. Yellow parents, uh, yellows love spontaneity and fun. I learned really quickly that when I do that to Ian, he feels torn down when I change our schedule or change our plan. So much so that now at the point we've kind of recognized this, he'll say to me, mom, you can't change the schedule on me. It doesn't work. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Okay, okay, back to center. Uh, and it's so helpful then he knows it and I know it and then we can talk about it. So it's been really healthy. Okay, parents, teachers, coaches, grandparents, aunts, uncles, foster parents. It's so important that you and I choose our words wisely, that we choose to build up versus tear down. And what would it look like? Because we have the power to influence who they become. I'm gonna say that one more time. You and I have the power to influence who all these kids become. That's a ginormous responsibility. And what would it look like if we press pause on our plan for our kids and instead we hit play on interacting with them every day and every moment and connecting with their needs and meeting them in that and helping draw out everything that God's called them to be. Do you know what I believe will happen? I believe that the patience that that's required will help us draw closer to Jesus, 100%. I also believe that our kids will experience us by the way we parent in that way by the way we lead and guide them in that way, they will experience Jesus through us. Let me explain that for a second because our kids will recognize that we aren't here to fix their behavior. We're here to help them become somebody. And when we can see them the way God sees them with an unconditional love that draws out the best in them, they experience us being Jesus to them. We are modeling Jesus to them. You get that? And gosh, even if you get to have one day that you did it, you give yourself a pat on the back because that's one day they got to experience you loving them unconditionally and meeting them in their need. And so number one, get crazy. Be crazy about connection. Number two, be wise with your words. And number three, be a praying parent. This past Saturday, we had infant and child dedication and baptism. And so there were 17 Prairie Heights kids who were dedicated and baptized. We had a great celebration. What that means is parents said they're gonna raise these kids uh, in a home that Jesus is the center. One of the most special parts of the day. Uh, so number three, be a praying parent. One of the most special parts of that day 
for me was seeing all these parents make that commitment that they were gonna do their best to raise their kids in a home where they knew Jesus and they're following Jesus. And then I love seeing extended family and church family come around them. And I love meeting the family and, and hearing more of the family story. And here's what I know to be true. Kyle and I talk about it like this. There's a thing to generational faith. There's a beauty in generational faith that when we can pass along faith throughout the generations. And for some of you, you have that. You have parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who've prayed throughout the generations, who have had faith as a foundation. And you're just continuing that on. And I know there's others of you that you are changing your family tree. Right now, today, in this season, you're changing your family tree by starting a legacy of faith that you're gonna pass on to your kids and their kids and, and beyond. And here's what's uh, true, we're going to jump into um, another one of the letters that Paul wrote. And one of the letters Paul wrote, he wrote to Timothy. And who's Timothy? Timothy was a, a young leader who Paul trusted and believed in so much. He believed in Timothy and he was writing these letters to help guide him. And in 2 Timothy 1.5, here's what Paul highlights about Timothy's line of generational faith. He says, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues in you. I want you, to, I want you to get this. There isn't a full story about Eunice. There isn't a full biblical story. There isn't a, a full book on Eunice. There, there is two sentences about her faith in the Bible. Two sentences that show us that her generational faith was passed down, that was passed through, that came to this young leader, Timothy, that he's now living out. And when you and I take that seriously, when we take it seriously in this season of our life to be praying parents, to build a life and a home and a legacy of faith, it's gonna pass through generations. And when I think about Eunice and I think about her, her one sentence or two sentences in the book, in God's word, I think about giving her a gold star because what do we all want if we don't get anything else in this life? I believe my heart, I want to leave a legacy of faith. And I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by others who want to leave a legacy of faith through our kids. And so a couple weeks ago, I was with um, three other couples on our staff and leadership team and we got to be at a conference and we we're talking about what legacy we want to leave as families and as parents and as spouses and, and we all got to the place where we're talking about our kids. We're talking about passing down our faith to our kids and uh, Kyle and I have been surrounded uh, for the last 10 years. We've done ministry with Doug and Jen Peters, and it has been an absolute honor to experience so many things together in ministry together here at Prairie Heights with Doug and Jen. And at one moment as we're around this table, they were with us at this conference and Jen started talking and she started sharing a story of how during a season of their parenting, they've got kids all the way from 21 years old to 10 years old, so a wide range of ages and stages of life. and she started sharing a story of how she knew she had to step into being a praying parent, which she always has been, but there was a moment and a story. And, 
And this last week, I'm like, you gotta tell our church family that story. And so I invited Jen to come up. So Jen, come on up. Let's give her a big round of applause. And I said, Jen, will you come share with our church family that story? And you said, I would love to. I've been dreaming about this. No. <laughs> oh, standing I don't like on to the be stage, in front of people. That's what I was going to say. Lot, but yep. yes, I said, of, yes, of course. Yeah. And so yeah. you're here today to share yeah. how God uh, has grown you uh, yeah. in your parenting and how God has brought some peace. Will you share that story a little bit? Yeah. Kind of what season you're in and what you did? Yeah. So um, as Beth had said, just, you know, as a parent, I think... Um, parent person, if you're alive and breathing, <laughs> you, I think we have all experienced times in our life where there's these, just these really great times and these really difficult times. And um, the last couple of years have not been easy. I think we all can uh, relate and agree with that. And so there was just a season where things were really um, hard uh, for me as a mom. Uh, like Beth said, we have four kids. They're various age ranges, and so they all are going through different, different things. And um, just this one particular time was just very, very hard. And in this season, I just found myself up a lot at night worrying um, about my kids, just some of the things that were going on, things they were going through and I wasn't sleeping. Have you ever been there? <laughs> and like Beth said, you know, I've, I'm a praying mom, and I've been so blessed to have some awesome people that are close to me that, that have come alongside and prayed with me. Um, I think that's one thing oftentimes when we're going through hard things in our lives that we think we're alone. And I think that's a place where that enemy wants to make us feel alone and that nobody else is going through what you're going through and you don't want to share it because we want to pretend we've got it all together. <laughs> and in that season, it was just so great for me to be able to share with um, some really close friends about some of the struggles and that they could pray with me. And in that, in that time, there was just one particular night that I just could not sleep. And one thing that I knew, I kind of the only thing, was I grabbed my Bible and I opened it up and I started reading God's promises. And in that moment, I just felt uh, lighter. I felt refreshed in some ways and I felt peaceful. And going a little bit further into that, um, this particular time, I just knew that I had to be more intentional, more focused in my prayers for my kids. And so what that looked like for me is one day while they were at school, I just got up and I was like, enough of this. I don't want to feel like this. And I know God doesn't want me to feel like this. There's more. There's hope, right? And uh, I just decided I was going to go out and start circling our home and praying. And so I went outside, and as I'm speaking this, I can picture myself right there. I just started walking around our property, praying, praying specific things for my kids, 
but also like claiming victory, right? And reading scriptures in my mind, speaking them out loud and saying like, God, I know you know my kids better than I do. I think I know them, but I don't fully know them. And I just asked that he would just help me to see them for who they are. Oftentimes I want to grip the reins and try to control where they should go. And like Beth said, um, God knows where they need to go. I don't always need to go. Know where, I don't always know where they need to go. And I don't want to get in the way of his plans for their life because I think I know the plans, right? So I prayed and I went through our, our home where my kids spent time. I went through the driveway and just prayed, God, when they pull up, when they walk through this threshold, would you just let this be a place of peace for them? Would you let them just walk in and feel restored? I don't want to be the one to beat them down. They get beat down enough. Just let them come in and let them feel loved and seen. And I went into their rooms and prayed some of those same things. And I went into the bathroom where they look at themselves in the mirror. And I said, God, would you just let them see them the way you see them? Would you let them see how beautiful and wonderfully made they are? Not who the world tries to tell them they should be. Would you just let that sink in? And would you let me as their mom, would you help me to see them for who they are? They're amazing. They have purpose. You have plans for them. They're on a journey like all of us, and it's not going to be perfect. And so let me let go and give it over. And when you did that, Jen, like I just hear your heart as you're sharing this story again. Like when you did that, how did you draw closer to Jesus? Oh, you guys, like, you know, we hear it like the things that we can do, read God's word, pray and give it to God, talk mm-hmm. to God. And in those moments, I just felt so at peace. I felt so encouraged. I just, it's hard to explain, but I just felt it was release. Like, it was I, like, I was just oh, going to say, release. It was like, this you weight said, off my shoulder. I'm not going to control my kids anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to control all the things. I'm going to release that to God, and God can control it all, and I'll show up and do my best. Yes. And I just truly believe, like, when I go to God in prayer and connect with Him, that, like like Beth said, it it brings us closer to His heart. Like, we know God's, we get to know God's heart. Mm -hmm. And when we get to know God's heart, when we're connected to Him in that way, through prayer, and reading our Bibles, like we're able to connect to our kids' hearts then because we see them the way that God sees them. Yeah, yeah, that's so good, so good. So today as we close, Jen's gonna pray um, for all of us as adults and parents, so whatever your role is with kids, uh, we're gonna invite you in just a moment here to stand and Jen's gonna pray for all of us and we're gonna believe that God uh, has more for you. Um, We know that there's a gamut of things and some of you might be feeling like you're rocking and rolling uh, at home and others you might feel like you've got some significant challenges and uh, we want God to meet you in all of that. And really simply, um, the other thing that I wanna say right before we do that is it's so important, uh, all adults, again, it doesn't matter what your role is, with kids. It is so important that our kids hear adults praying for them out loud by name. 
It's so easy. Do it at the supper table, do it on the way to school, do it at night and speak out loud. And it can sound as simple as like, God, thank you for today and thank you for my son, Ian, and the way that you helped him with a specific thing today, with his math homework. I mean, easy, because they don't care about the words and God definitely doesn't care about the words. (laughs) But your kids, hearing their mom or their dad or their foster parent pray over them and say it to God on their name gives them such confidence to live out in this world. And so we'll invite you, let's go ahead and stand um, and Jen's gonna pray. And your standing is representing a commitment of prayer to pray for the kids in your life and to pray for you in your role. So Jen, would you pray for us? God, we just thank you for this time together, Lord. We just thank you for Beth's message, God. We thank you for Kathleen Eidelman and all of the work that she is doing, God. These are all just um, things that, that we can take with us today and, and implement the week, God. I just thank you for these people that are standing, Lord. And I just um, pray as, as parents, as, as husbands, wives, teachers, coaches, foster parents, people that are co-parenting, and even those that, God, uh, just anybody that's standing here today, Lord, I know that we all have those things in our life that these, these um, highs and lows, Lord. And just for each one, Lord, I just thank you that you see us, God, and that you are with us, Lord. So many times we feel alone, but we're not alone. You're with us, Lord. You're cheering us on. You're rooting for us, God. So I just pray that you will just minister to each one of us, Lord, that we would just be able to see those in our lives, those kids, those relationships that we have, that you would just help us to see each one, that we are all unique. All of the the kids, they're all so unique and they're amazing and you have great things in store for all of us. Would you just help us to release and surrender that to you, God? Just open our hands and say, here it is. Here they are, God. Pray for them. Help us to pray for them and just lean into that and love them right where they're at, God. Doing that, it's amazing how that can change things in an instant, Lord. And some things might just be these little changes that we see, but Lord, would you just give us the eyes to see that? It's so easy to get caught up in the what's not going on, right? Help us to see what is, right? These little kids. So I just thank you. Thank you that you are with us, that we can trust you, God, that we know that you are faithful. Just, we just thank you for that. And we stand in those promises and we claim that over our families, over our relationships, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.